This is Talk is Sheep, a podcast by the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. Come along as we take conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. Mr. Hamilton, good day. It is. It's a beautiful day in my neighborhood. We had uh, pretty gnarly winds last night. It was uh, it was it was pretty spicy. Uh, snow was coming down, but now we're a beautiful blue blazer. Sun is shining, wind has dropped, and the snow is melting. Gotta love the north. Here we are on the cusp of Christmas. Hey, phenomenal that uh, oh 21 just slipped by like this. And we were like, okay, we're COVID-free. Life is back to normal and not yet. <laughs> Suckers. <laughs> Stand by for further. Uh, oh, what sucks is right right now is you, we're, we're heading to Reno in a couple of weeks for the sheep show. And I'm literally right now going, looking at the Air Canada website and which covid test i need to get to go in and come back and they're different and one sold out like come on people wash your damn hands yeah good times um episode 53 dr jasper lament from the bc nature trust great um conversation with him today uh really enjoyed this chat with him the great work that uh, the nature trust has done 50 years this is their 50th yeah. anniversary and uh fascinating story on the history of the organization and they're doing great work um, for all species, but in particular, wild sheep. Yeah, I, I knew they'd been around a while, but I had no idea it was 50 years. Like, that's a that's a hell of a conservation footprint in the grand scheme of things when you, you think about it. So 500 properties acquired. Um, this year, $19 uh, million in land acquisitions. Just in one year. And, uh, yeah, 12, uh, 12 properties acquired. And uh, so, uh, one of which was... Uh, well, I think there are more than one, but certainly one that we supported that was Wild Sheep Habitat. Mm -hmm. uh, the Wild Sheep Society BC and our members contributed 20 grand to that. Um, so, yeah, uh, great organization doing great work for wildlife and all, um, all, all ecology on the landscape. So it's great to see. Yeah, and I, I like the way we, we get into it in the episode where a lot of people assume that nature nature trust properties are all shut off to the public. And that's that's not the case, right? These but what they do is they they buy these these properties so they can't be developed and so that animals and habitat can are around forever so they are free access so, which is pretty cool as jasper gets into yeah and it's something you know we all need to get around because uh we need more and more wildlife areas mm -hmm. uh, set aside and um you know as we know and certainly in southern bc that's one of the issues is encroachment loss of habitat lots of uh, uh lots of fragmentation of habitat so oh, yeah you know, wild sheep can't be wild sheep they're kind of get the little area where they they can roam and that's it right so this connectivity piece is important um so yeah they're doing great work in the landscape and obviously great organization and, and the work that's being done there for sure oh yeah like I can't say enough good things about the, the stuff they've done over the last 50 years. And like, you, you, you want to leave a conservation legacy. That's the way to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. A little bit of housekeeping, um, some cool stuff going on with the society, actually a ton of stuff. It's a really busy time. Uh, our directors and our volunteers are really, really active right now. Uh, membership drive. We've got this cool membership drive, uh, up and running and, um, uh, some cool prizes. Uh, we've got the support of Stone Glacier on this. They're uh, giving away the SkyTel 6900 backpack and then also uh, Canis Alpine uh, or Canis has donated a, a set of pants, a jacket, and an Alpine hat. And then, of course, our membership or sorry, our merchandise manager has uh, put together a swag pack package worth 100 bucks. So, um, yeah, some really cool prizes to win. Uh, everyone's eligible. Um, you can buy, renew, uh, extend. If you want to upgrade, you're eligible for more points. The more you buy, the more chances you get to win. So great opportunity for everyone to get involved. Yeah, and that 6,900 pack, that's a great pack. I got a chance to run one of those this, uh, this past September on a hunt for a couple of weeks. And yeah, just that's that's the one I want. 
Yeah, absolutely. One thanks to our conservation partner, uh, Stone Glacier, for for that full donation and making things happen for Wild Sheep in BC. So um, great opportunity to go over to the website, wildsheepsociety.com, pick up a membership. And uh, if you got one already, upgrade. We'd love to have you. The more members uh, doing good work in the province, the better off uh, wild sheep are going to be. Yeah, totally. Totally. While we're on that, uh, speaking of, of uh, drives, like we've, we've still got the... Uh, the, the wild sheep raffles. Yeah. So we have two actually groups of raffles going. We got our wild sheep raffles. We've got the four different hunts plus the Barney's uh, ultimate sheep camp. Um, the one that we kind of want to draw your attention to is uh, new this year. It's a uh, West Texas out at hunt. Uh, Rowdy McBride is a premier outfitter in West Texas. Um, you know, he's got a fantastic reputation if you're going to buy a premier hunt for our dad you're going to go and see rowdy mcbride um he's uh, donated one of those hunts to us um that includes two thousand dollars in credit towards travel and um licensing fees basically it's all expenses paid from uh, bc down to west texas you flying into alpine and they're going to take great care of you down there and then also um the sighty stuff, all the importing stuff, getting your animal back to BC is going to be covered as well. Uh, thanks to Daryl Hosker. Daryl uh, made a, a generous contribution uh, towards uh, getting the animal back and the hunt itself and lining the hunt up. And Dakota Taxidermy is going to be helping. They've donated as well their services to, to help get your animal back into BC. So a uh, great opportunity on uh, West Texas Outad. Um, it's a five-day hunt. Uh, includes accommodations, full food and beverages services. It's all inclusive guides, trophy prep, CITES permit, shipping uh, from Texas back to BC. You can't beat this. Tickets are only 20 bucks and it's yeah. a $16,000 prize package, roughly 15372 Yeah, you, you, you want to get on this I want for sure. That, that's, that's a kick-ass hunt that I've wanted forever. Every time we put up an odd ad hunt, I always buy a, a fistful of tickets and I'm probably going to buy some more just because you're high pressure sale tactics. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you if I could buy tickets, I can, cause I'm, my name's on the raffle license. If I could, I'd be buying them for sure. That's a great hunt. And, uh, Oh yeah. And like I said, you're not going to do any better than hunting with uh, Roddy McBride. Um, if you're looking for an outfitter in Texas, that's the guy you want to go and see. So. Absolutely. And yeah, it's, yeah, I want that hunt. So stop buying tickets. I know terrible <laughs> salesman, but I want my chances to be better. Yeah. Uh, and then of course we have our, uh, big boar rifle raffle, and uh, that's going to end here in a, uh, very shortly. I think uh, December 19th, it wraps up. Uh, still a few tickets left on that, It's uh, but it is over half sold out. Uh, a fantastic donation from uh, Don Lanham, Gary, Gary Flack. Um, so make sure you get those, uh, get some tickets on that. Uh, I think it's an $8,600 package. Uh, Chambered 280 AI, that's a sheep killing machine right there. So make sure you check those out. All right, buddy. Um, off to we got, we got episode fifty three. We got some cool stuff coming up in our our merchandise, don't we? Oh, so we, Mr. Yeah. Merchandise Manager. Okay, so yeah. okay, can you talk? Yeah, well, they're they're being shipped, so let's talk about them. We got some kick ass Nalgene water bottles that are uh, new addition to the store. They're brand of the Wild Sheep logo. And yeah, they're the ones that everybody likes to take on their backcountry hunt that have got the, the, the measuring on the back. They're 32 ounces, so you know how much water or whiskey you're consuming. Your choice. But yeah, they'll be uh, in the online store very, very shortly, if not already by the time this episode gets uploaded. Plus, we got some other stuff that is in uh, production right now. So we're, again, we're, we're not going to talk about it, but it is... Uh, something that you're going to want to stay tuned on it's something exclusive to us and it's brand new we haven't had it before i think it'll do really really well yeah absolutely um and kudos to you and and the merchandise work you're doing there you know we we haven't had a merchandise manager for a while now um we've got you running the store and we've got some fresh ideas and um it's uh really cool the stuff that's coming in i'm really excited about it i'm going to be buying one of those wide mouth null jeans for my hunt um i'm excited that we're doing that and uh yeah and just furthering our mission right um you know get to buy some merch and, and support wild sheep while you're doing it so yeah. win 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 so. yeah and if there's anything you want to see in the store fire us a message let us know awesome um and on that note 
we've done that partnership with uh, Frontiers Men Gear out of Prince George. Tanner's brought the Stone Eye back. That's a Wild Sheep Society BC exclusive. He designed that knife exclusively for us. We did a limited edition run of 30 um, earlier in the year, sold out um, quite quickly. Um, we, we held two back for fundraising. One's on uh, on our latest fundraiser here. And now we've run another uh, set of 30. And in the first couple of days, about a third of them are sold out. So um, we're doing pre-orders for a March release. We'll, we're planning to have them for uh, early March. So if you're interested in that, uh, send me an email. Um, the usual communications at wildsheepsociety.com and uh, just say you want, you're looking for a stone eye um, or you can go to our website and check it out um, and, uh, and see what it's involved with that. So such a great knife. I love mine. It's so light. Like you don't even realize it's there and keeps an keeps an edge that you're, you're almost scared of. Like he makes an incredible product. So yeah, these yeah, are uh, either. I'll echo that for sure, man. I, I'm the same. I, I love mine and uh, used that on my mule deer hunt this fall and uh, loved it. Unfortunately, I didn't cut any sheep with it, but uh, there's or always yourself. next year. Yeah, that's that's a bonus. All right. With that, uh, Dr. Jasper Lament, uh, S episode 53, uh, Nature Trust of British Columbia. Enjoy. Across Canada and throughout the world, if you come across a campfire in the woods, on a mountaintop or next to a river, you'll find warm company and friendly people gathered around. Regardless of your lifestyle or place you call home, we invite you to learn more about what it means to be a hunter in the modern era. If you love the outdoors, care about where your food comes from, and are concerned for the future of wildlife and the environments that they need to survive, pull up a seat. We have a story to tell. Welcome to our campfire. Good morning, Jasper. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Kyle. Excited to be here. Thanks for the invitation to talk as sheep. Yeah, uh, really, really happy to to have you on the show. And I know this is a fantastic year for the uh, Nature Trust of BC and and yourself. And um, just really excited to hear your story and hear what's going on with uh, Nature Trust and the important projects you're working on. Outstanding. Yeah, it's exciting. This is our 50th year since we were founded back in 1971. And and we are uh, celebrating 50 years by acquiring properties across BC, including some important habitat for wild sheep. And uh, so excited to come on your podcast and talk about our partnership with the Wild Sheep Society of BC and, and, uh, and now the Wild Sheep Foundation as well. Yeah, absolutely. I was really excited to see the foundation support this as well. They, you know, they do fantastic work in BC and uh, always stepping up. So it was great to see them uh, part of this uh, last land acquisition. So we're going to jump into the the details of all that. But before we kind of get there, um, you know, you've been the CEO of uh, the Nature Trust of BC. I think the Nature Trust is the biggest land conservancy organization in British Columbia. Is that correct, uh, Jasper? Uh, well, we're the... Uh um, we're the biggest uh, provincial land trust in, in BC, um, and we have a portfolio of uh, over 500 conservation properties, um, totaling 178,000 acres of conservation land. So an uh, amazing portfolio of, of land for, for wildlife and uh, just a, a great natural legacy. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, so I guess let's start there. Let's kind of go back to the infancy. There's a very interesting story that dates back 50 years um, with, with the nature trust. And, uh, and I, I had the enjoyment of listening to your gala here recently. You guys put on a great show and raised a ton of money. It was impressive to watch. It was actually breathtaking from, from a not-for-profit perspective and, and looking at what you guys did there. It was uh, awe-inspiring. So congratulations to you and your team for pulling that off. Um, but you know, learning about the history of the Nature Trust of BC, it's fascinating. I'd love to you to share to our listeners, uh, you know, how the Nature Trust came about and and the the story there. Well, you're right; it is a, a great story, and and it uh, it really started with the centennial of of BC in Confederation. So, uh, the federal government wanted to celebrate a hundred years of British Columbia in Canada, and they uh, they started by um, building a museum out at UBC, and then there was some money left over. And so the, the prime minister at the time, who was uh, Pierre Trudeau, um, 
asked for ideas about how to uh, how to invest that money in in a appropriate celebration of uh, of BC. And one of the members of Parliament was uh, Len Marchand from um, from the Kamloops area, and I understand he was uh, the first Indigenous member of Parliament and the. Um, I think he was one of the first ministers of environment as well. And um, so um, he got together with Ralph Shaw, um, who was a, a school principal in the Kamloops area and a, a great angler, uh, fly fisherman, um, hunter, and conservationist. And and a couple other kind of notable members of the community with an interest in conservation. And they, they just brainstormed at a coffee shop and, and he came up with the idea of uh Using the money to buy land for um, for conservation to uh, uh, to create a a natural legacy for the the second century of British Columbia in Confederation, and so um, that idea went back to Ottawa, and the Prime Minister reached out to a notable British Columbian by the name of Bert Hofmeister, and Bert had retired as the uh, chairman and CEO of Macmillan Bloedel, which at the time was one of the, the biggest forest companies in the world. Um, and he was just spending some time on his ranch and uh, enjoying retirement. And the prime minister asked him um, if he would lead a, a new organization um, to invest this this money in protecting land in BC. And um, he, he jumped at the challenge and he was our chair of the board for for about two decades, and he recruited the um, the best uh, scientists of the day, like uh, Dr. Ian McTaggart Cowan at UBC, um, who actually was notable for his wild sheep biology work, um, amongst many other things, um, and Dr. Bert Brink, also from UBC, a great expert on on grasslands, and then some of the uh, business leaders of the day. Um, and people from across BC. So they, he brought together this board of business and science expertise, and uh, they started um, investing these uh, these federal dollars in in protecting uh, land across uh, across our province. And um, the rest is history. So 50 years later, as I mentioned, now 178,000 acres of land. Our board continues to have that that blend of business and science leaders. Um, we still have. Um, you know, uh, professors from the UBC Department of Zoology on our board, like uh, Dr. Sally Otto, who's a, a rock star in evolutionary biology. Um, we have uh, um, really successful business leaders on our board as well. Um, and yeah, they come together and, and kind of complement each other's expertise and, and help provide strong governance and uh, effective um, leadership for the organization. And then uh, I have the privilege of leading our staff who are uh, a really talented team of, of conservation professionals. And, and, uh, and they, um, you know, they work to, uh, to do two things, which is secure land and then manage it. And so we stay pretty, pretty laser focused on that, on that mission. Just we secure land that's ecologically important. And then we uh, manage the values on that land to, to make sure that we provide, um, you know, functional habitat for wildlife. Yeah, very cool. It was interesting when listening to the, I guess, the video around your gala about the history of the organization. Um, my understanding that uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau um, allocated four and a half million, the money that was left over from the centennial for this, and it was you guys were given a very broad mandate. Basically, um, this money was to be used for ecological purposes only. Um, so. That was a, that's a very broad <laughs> statement, um, and to see what you guys have grown and created from that, um, and and I guess that's a huge testament to Bert Hofmeister and the history of the organization of having that vision of creating something so special to preserve these lands for for effectively eternity uh, for future generations. I, I found that very very interesting that um, he had that vision uh, to bring these people together to create something like that because it could have gone any way. It could have gone to you know, research or studies or, you know, that eco ecology is a very broad subject, obviously. So I thought that was a pretty cool uh, aspect of the story. Absolutely. And and one of the things that he did was to use that four and a half million as an endowment. And so that the only the investment returns from that money would be invested in, um, in acquiring land. And so 
Um, we still actually have that four and a half million dollars invested and the proceeds from it help us to deliver our mission today. So, um, you know, obviously we've grown it from there, but that the vision that, that the founders had um, was obviously ecological conservation, but in a fiscally sustainable manner. And um, that sort of sound business leadership um, and that has been invaluable in, in helping the organization thrive through, um, you know, through good times and, and tough times in the last 50 years of BC. Yeah, very cool. Just out of curiosity um, and not want to dig into the fi- your financial situation too far, but um, has that endowment grown, that, that $4.5 million, Is it basically, does that money get reinvested into land purchases every year? Or are you guys growing that endowment and then um, taking the proceeds as well from that? Uh, well, the endowment certainly has, has grown over time. And with each new property we acquire, um, we now have a board policy that we will fundraise a land management endowment um, at the same time that we fundraise the purchase price. And that helps us to, um, to be able to take care of the land in the, for, for perpetuity um, once we acquire it. Because uh, um, if the board hadn't made that decision, um, then you know, we would have eventually grown to a point where we couldn't sustain the management of the land because um, we would just keep acquiring properties and uh, you know have have nothing nothing to take care of them. So now now we acquire properties and we um, and we uh, raise the money we need to care for those properties into the into the future. And so our um, our board um, oversees the investment of the the endowment so that it is is uh, again managed for perpetuity, just like our lands are managed for perpetuity. So it's a it's a it's a nice link that way, and uh, and they just budget for for a modest you know return each year that would um, that will help us to you know pay the the cost of of caring for the land. Yeah, and I guess I'm. Hats off to you guys for having that vision to do that because uh, you know that's one of our concerns whenever we're supporting a project. It's like okay. Yeah, that's fine that we're going to preserve that for perpetuity. But if we don't do something to maintain it, we don't look after it, um, it might not be suitable for for wild sheep or any other species as well. So um, good, uh, I guess, accolades to you and your board for having that vision that you also, this is a two-part process. It's not just acquisition. It's also the maintenance of the the property as well, which is fantastic. Um, the other thing that I thought found very interesting, I believe I read somewhere, is that your board approves every um, purchase, uh, land purchase. So this is not, uh, you know, you, you have that oversight by your board of directors, the accountability there that every purchase that you guys are making is going back to them and they're overseeing it, making that decision. I thought that was a pretty cool aspect of it. Um, yeah, Kyle, one of the things that's, that's really important is, is strong governance for a nonprofit and, and our board certainly, um, certainly make sure that that happens. So every potential acquisition that staff bring to the board, they're looking at it through two lenses. One is, is, is the property, you know, ecologically important enough to justify the investment because, you know, BC is a vast province. We have huge amounts of um, private land that, that we could choose to acquire and we can't acquire it all no matter how, you know, how many donors come to the table, how many partners like the Wild Sheep Society BC come to the table. You know, you always have to say no to many more uh, potential acquisitions than you say yes to. So, um, you know, so the the key is to um, be able to build a a case that a conservation science based case that that a property is worth acquiring. Um, But then also staff have to demonstrate to the board that we have a a business case for both uh, raising the money to acquire the property um, and including that land management endowment that's so important for the future care of the property. Um, and uh, yeah, because our board's not going to let up uh, acquisition go ahead, um, you know, with uh, without having the, both the conservation case and the, and the fundraising case made to uh, justify that acquisition. 
So just out of curiosity, uh, Jasper, what what kind of what are some of the criteria that of interest from an ecological perspective that would uh, you know, sort of qualify, and I, I appreciate that it's really vast and stuff, but I guess kind of the, the big, you know, is it multi-species are benefiting or, um, you know, kind of what are what are some of the, the factors that go into that decision around the ecology side of things? Uh, great question, Kyle. So first and foremost, the Nature Trust BC is a biodiversity-driven organization, and and we were one of many partners that that contributed to the development of a biodiversity plan for BC called Biodiversity BC. And, and uh, what that plan did was it looked at um, where the biodiversity is located in BC, where the threats are highest, um, you know, where, um, where the conservation priorities are highest. And, and they identified four biogeoclimatic zones in BC that, uh, that really um, have the you know, high levels of biodiversity, high threats, high needs for conservation. And so since that plan was was finalized, um, which was uh, I think the early 2000s, and the, the Nature Trust has, has really focused on, on uh, those four priority biogeochromatic zones. So um, I'm located here on the coast and the coastal Douglas fir is, uh, is one of those. The other three are all um, in the interior. So interior Douglas fir, ponderosa pine, and bunch grass. So those three Beck zones, um, uh, incidentally, uh, support a lot of sheep habitat, um, but um, a lot of other biodiversity um, as well. And there's a lot of private land um, in those uh, Beck zones and a lot of opportunity um, for you know, for land conservation. And so um, you know, we work uh, across the province, but we really do a lot of our work and focus a lot of our work in those, those priority, those priority zones. And, and so, uh, um, you know, some of the, the projects that we've done in partnership with the Wild Sheep Society of BC are, are great examples of that. Yeah, interesting. And I guess that's one thing that, you know, was just an aha moment when we were talking there is, uh, uh, you know, we talk about biodiversity and ecology. We're not just talking about wildlife, right? It's it's much bigger than that. It's all plants and all of nature, right? So it's not exclusive to wildlife. And I, I kind of look at it through that lens. But it's uh, interesting that you you bring up uh, this point that it's it's much bigger than just wildlife. It's it's all species. Um, it's um, the habitats they're they're inhabiting as well. Um, and it's interesting. That's one of the things we've seen in the uh, Kootenays and in, in our involvement uh, is the issue around bunch grass and the loss of uh, the native species uh, of grasses that the, the animals are you know, wild sheep in particular are, are uh, having the opportunity to graze on. That there a lot of that's lost to invasive species, and of course the invasive species uh, council is doing a great job there as well. So yeah, there's all these different things we don't really necessarily think about day to day that goes far beyond just wildlife itself. Yeah, and you know the encroachment of um, of conifers into into bunch grasses is is a problem in in some areas, and actually it's a place where um, there's some opportunities for for boots on the ground partnerships where where we've done um, you know volunteer work days, especially in the East Kootenay and um, also in the um, South Okanagan to um, you know to bring um, people like members of Wild Sheep Society BC. Um, and other groups where people are just interested in, uh, you know, getting their, um, getting their hands dirty and, and getting involved in, um, in, uh, you know, enhancing habitat for wildlife and, um, maybe pulling invasive weeds, removing trash, and then, um, you know, and cutting some, um, conifers back so that, um, you know, that the habitat can, um, continue to, to function for, for sheep and, and others. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I guess that's the interesting part with uh, Nature Trust BC. You guys, uh, we talked about this on the, the phone the other day, how you guys don't necessarily have a membership base. You have a, a lot of supporters. And I found it very interesting at the gala. I, I think your host uh, mentioned that you had 400 individuals uh, that were attending the gala. And I, I found that fascinating that you have a organization with no true membership, but you'd have 400 people show up for an online gala. It was pretty fascinating. 
Yeah, the virtual gala is something new, um, thanks to COVID. Um, but the cool thing about it is that um, it allows us to um, to bring together people from across the province and beyond. You know, we have supporters in in Central Canada and the U.S. as well, and you know, they can all join in the the celebration a lot more easily than than uh, you know attending our our live gal, which uh, used to be a, a fixture in our fall calendar um, pre COVID. Yeah, very cool. And I guess on that note, um, you know, certainly with the society, you know, our members are always very keen uh, around volunteer opportunities and and anything, any chance. And and I believe two years ago, we did some work, um, some rehab work. I think it was some fence clearing and stuff. Was that on the Skaha property? I don't, I just, it slips my mind, but it was a couple of years ago. We did some work together around That's some right. volunteer work. Yeah. So. That's right. Um, yeah. yeah. Skaha Lake was an acquisition um, that, that Wild Sheep Society of BC contributed to, it was probably about five years ago. And then um, that was building on a, um, on a complex that the Nature Trust started acquiring in the, back in the 80s and 90s. So um, we, there was one property that we missed back then, um, got away from us. And uh, the people that, that bought it at the time held on to it for a couple decades. And then we developed a relationship with them and they, they agreed to do a, uh, you know, a bargain sale to us and um, so that the property could be conserved. And um, so thanks to Wild Sheep Society BC for being one of our partners on that acquisition. And then, and then, as you said, um, you know, some of your members came out to, to help with some, um, you know, some habitat uh, work on the ground at the time. And, um, you know, the, the Okanagan is incredibly important to the Nature Trust. That's, that's our, um, where we have our largest, uh, you know, footprint of conservation lands and, um, we have staff based in Penticton and, uh, you know, they're, they're caring for a huge uh, portion of our, of our conservation land portfolio. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's great to have uh, volunteers to come out and, and help to uh, make a difference on the ground. Yeah, fantastic. And we're pretty excited about this uh, recent acquisition, which we'll get to in a minute here, but uh, about uh, being involved in that in any volunteer capacity that you guys might have moving forward. So, um, what I'd like to do, though, uh, now, Jasper, if we could, is just segue and uh, let's just talk a little bit about kind of you and your background um, and kind of just, uh, you know, how you got to the Nature Trust and kind of your route there. And maybe let's even go back to, you know, uh, and I, I was thinking, you know, when I was doing a little bit of preparation for the podcast then you know, I call you up and I call you Jasper. I'm like, well, you're a doctor actually. So I, I mean, no disrespect there. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, obviously a very, very, uh, highly educated, very experienced. You've, you've been in the industry a long time doing a ton of great work for conservation. Um, do you maybe want to, you know, go back to your early days and talk about, I guess maybe even start about your interest in ecology and wildlife and, and where that comes from, and then maybe talk about some of your schooling and then your career path to what brought you to the nature trust. Sure. Well, um, in the beginning, I was born in Vancouver and, um, and I uh, spent early part of my life uh, in, in the city. And then my parents uh, bought a small property out in the Fraser Valley. And so um, I spent a lot of time as a, as a small child out in nature, um, chasing frogs, um, catching salamanders in the ditch, um, chasing salmon fry around the creek um, that ran through um, our family property. And um, yeah, and just really being um, immersed in, in nature and, um, you know, uh, catching garter snakes and putting them in a paper grocery bag and bringing them home to my mom. Um, you know, she was a little less than thrilled, but I was fascinated by, by, by snakes and frogs and really any, any creature that I could catch. And, um, then I got a little bit older and, and, uh, my dad developed an interest in trout fishing. And, um, you know, one of his, uh, contacts had told him about a, a lake up near Merritt and said, Oh, it'd be a great place to take your kids fishing. And, um, and so he took my brother and I up there for a weekend and, um, you know, we just had an amazing time, you know, caught tons of, uh, tiny little rainbow trout and um it was just awesome and you know watching the loons on the lake and uh you know the the ducks and the wildlife it was just it was just uh, amazing that became a family tradition and so we actually um that was one, really one of my introductions to the grasslands of the southern interior of bc was was driving through 
um, the Douglas Lake Ranch, for example, um, to get to uh, um, to get to some of these lakes where we fished, and um, just seeing these vast expanses of uh, of grassland and wildlife habitat, and this is so different from the Lower Mainland. And that was, you know, one of the first uh, tastes I got of how you know, I guess ecologically diverse BC is, and and you know how how just what a amazing place it is, and uh, so. Yeah, that really, um, I guess, nurtured my interest in in biology and nature. And biology was one of my favorite subjects uh, going through going through school. And um, went went away to university. And biology was one of the my areas of concentration as an undergrad. And um, at at that time, it was really hard to to get a a foothold in in the biology profession. Um, you know, the economy wasn't great and the, the agencies weren't hiring and, um, and, you know, a bachelor's in biology was, was basically, uh, um, a ticket to waiting tables, um, which is what I was doing all the way through university, waiting tables, standing bar, uh, that kind of thing. So I, I, um, I realized that I was never going to be able to do biology without a graduate degree. So, um, I started exploring opportunities and ended up actually, um, pursuing my PhD down in the U.S. And uh, I got a PhD in biology at the University of Miami. And um, as I was in that, um, you know, that took me six years to get my PhD and gave me a lot of time to think about my future career path. And a lot of my colleagues were pursuing careers in academia, but uh, uh, one day the light, light turned on that, you know, what I really want to do is conservation. And so, um, I started exploring opportunities for career in conservation. And, uh, um, after I graduated, that's actually what I ended up doing was, uh, I went and worked for a conservation NGO in California and, uh, spent many years doing, um, habitat restoration in, in California. And, uh, and then later across the, um, working conservation programs across the U S and Canada, a little bit down into Mexico so really got a taste for how conservation is done throughout North America um, and and uh, really saw so many great conservation partnerships in action um, between government and NGOs. And um, it was just really exciting um, to see how, um, you know, see how conservation is done and and uh, see Wang conservation in action. And it just, uh, yeah, that was really inspiring. Um Eventually, I came back to BC and uh, to work for BC Hydro, and uh, spent a few years in their um, environmental environmental group. And um, then uh, one day, I got a, a phone call um, that that the Nature Trust of BC was looking for a new CEO, and uh, and the rest is history. So um, that was 2012. I made the jump, and BC Hydro was a great place to work. Um, still have some uh, great friends and colleagues over there um you know it's really a, a corporate leader in environmental sustainability in uh, in canada and so enjoyed working there um but then the opportunity to to lead uh you know an organization with the track record and with the great team that that was at the nature trust at the time um was just uh, too good to to pass up so kind of took a leap of faith and uh and uh, came over here and never looked back. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's uh, that's quite the quite the ride, um, and very interesting. And uh, um, you know that uh, yeah, and, and that you're leading such a, a a big organization, the Nature Trust, and the work that's being done there. It's uh, it's a huge role. And now, so you've been in there a long time. You've been it was 2012, I believe you said. So you're coming up on your 10 year anniversary. Um, and w- kind of when you took on that role and you started with the organization, um, has has much changed for you in terms of uh, your leadership or the way, you know, the, the work that you've seen done or the, what you're wanting to achieve or anything like that? How has that evolved for you? Well, certainly the organization has uh, has changed over the last nine years. Um, we've uh, we've grown a lot um, back in 2012. We're still feeling some of the effects of the 2008 economic crisis. Um, so it was a tough environment for fundraising. Um, and, uh, so the organization had been through some lean years. Um, so, um, when I joined the nature trust, that was really the first priority was to, um, was to turn that around and, 
um, and, you know, find some new ways to, um, you know, to, you know, to be successful. Um, we, you know, the funding environment was difficult for writing grants back then. Uh, governments weren't, weren't putting a lot of money into land, land acquisition. Um, so, um, we, uh, you know, we definitely were doing, um, a lot less land acquisition back then than we, we are now. Um, so over time, you know, we've, uh, um, worked with our partners and the, you know, the federal government has really stepped up its, its investment in land conservation. And, and, and so we have really grown our partnership with them over time. And, um, you know, now we're, we're doing some really exciting acquisitions, um, you know, um, by leveraging federal dollars with, with funds from, um, from family foundations, from landowners, uh, you know, from um, nonprofits like the Wild Sheep Society of BC, um, and, uh, you know, longstanding partners like the Habitat Conservation Trust Foundation and the BC Conservation Foundation, bringing together these partnerships um, to, to tackle some of these um, large land acquisitions that, you know, uh, six, seven years ago, um, you know, wouldn't have really even seemed achievable. So, great example of that is the Princeton grasslands acquisition that we just, uh, we just completed. So, um, that property and, uh, apologies, there's no sheep on it that I'm, uh, I'm aware of, but it's 2,600 acres of grasslands and forest. Um, it has moose and elk and, um, mule deer and waterfowl and all kinds of raptors and, um, some, um, species at risk. Um, and, uh, like the Lewis's woodpecker, you know, there's just a, a few hundred of those left in Canada and, and, uh, the, our Princeton grasslands property is one of those, those places where they are still able to, uh, to breed and, and thrive in, in, uh, Canada. So, um, yeah, we've put together this partnership to, uh, to acquire that huge property over a three year period. Um, the total project cost was well over $5 million. And, you know, thanks to great partners um, like the, like Environment and Climate Change Canada and uh, Maple Cross, um, we've been able to, uh, to get it done. And so, um, you know, nine years ago, taking on a 2,600 acre land purchase uh, would have been a pipe dream. And so, but we've been able to build the partnerships, um, build our staff um, capacity, um, you know, build our fundraising capacity. Um, to, uh, you know, to really tackle some of these, uh, ambitious, um, ambitious projects. Very cool. Um, yeah, it's, uh, the work you guys are doing is, is, uh, fantastic. And it's interesting on this discussion we had the other day, you and I we talked about your first land acquisition was actually, I believe in the Kamloops area, it was a wild sheep, uh, inhabited property as well. Am, am I correct? Was that what we said uh, on the call? You're a little too far north, actually. Okay. Our, our first land acquisition um, was uh, Grand Forks down the oh, boundary right. region. Um, yeah. And that was 1972 okay. uh, when we started that one. And you're right, there's a um, there's a herd of bighorn sheep that, that live there. And, and uh, unfortunately, that's the herd that recently was hit by blue tongue. Um, but uh, that's, uh, you know, that's Nature Trust property number one. And uh, you know, we still we still own it and, and care for it. And, um, we want to make sure that the habitat's there for, um, when that herd of sheep bounces back. Yeah. Very, very interesting. So maybe, um, yeah, let's, let's touch a little bit on the Skaha project. Now that was interesting, uh, because our members were involved in that acquisition. Now that said, I, that, that was a seven figure acquisition, I believe. And I think we put in 20 grand or something. Um, and I do find it fascinating. You know, we feel like we're an important part of these acquisitions and, you know, and we are, but I find it interesting that, yeah, we're putting our 20 grand or, or whatever the case may be. And meanwhile, it's a seven, it's a million dollar property. Um, I find that f just a fa fascinating that there's that money there and you guys are able to do so much work with that. Well, you've got to build these, broad diverse partnerships to be able to um tackle these uh these projects and um yeah skaha uh, that was actually the the third acquisition that we did there um it was called lot c because um, um as i mentioned back in the 80s and 90s we did lots a and b 
And let's see, we didn't get done then because it was, uh, we thought it was too expensive. Um, so, uh, so we bought it 20 years later for, for several times more money than we, um, we, uh, declined to pay in the eighties, but, you know, so <laughs> learned, uh, <laughs> learned about escalating land values in the Okanagan. Um, and, uh, so anyhow, that continues to be a, a challenge, but yeah, it's, um, <clears throat> you know, most of the land acquisitions we do, um, include, uh, a significant donation from the landowner. Um, so, and that's, that was certainly the case at Skaha. So, um, you know, the, the people that own that property, um, you know, uh, you know, they wanted a low profile, so I'm not going to um, call them out on the podcast, but, you know, they really stepped up with a very significant um, donation, in-kind donation of land value to, to get the deal done because their preferred outcome was to, um, was to see the property protected rather than developed. And uh, that property was the um, was the interface between the existing nature trust properties that we'd owned for many years and a growing subdivision of family homes. And so really the question was, you know, where is the line going to be drawn between wildlife habitat and human habitat? And, um, and that's one of the questions I think our, our province is going to be faced with again and again. Um, and so, the nature trust wanted the, you know, the line to, um, to stay where it was and, and for us to be able to protect the, um, you know, protect that habitat, that, um, <clears throat> that nature trust property on Scott, we call it Skaha Lake Eastside. It's contiguous with the, uh, Ian McTaggart Cowan in new wildlife management area, which is a vast area of crown land that's been, um, protected for wildlife. And, and so, you know, it's a, it's a, critical landscape for the Skaha herd of bighorn sheep, um, for, um, species at risk, including bats and, and birds that, uh, you know, uh, live and roost in some of the caves in that landscape. Um, you know, it's grasslands, there's rattlesnakes, there's all kinds of, you know, just awesome, awesome species that need that habitat. And so, um, yeah, we were able to pull together a partnership, um, including the landowner, some of our agency partners, um, and, uh, you know, we were able to, to get it done. So it's just really, really exciting. And, uh, you know, that was actually one of the last land acquisitions that I negotiated, um, um, before, um, we actually grew our staff to, to, uh, um, add a director of conservation land securement. So we've, um, over the last three years, you know, we've had that, and that new position that's really helped us to accelerate, our uh, pace of land acquisition because I, I was, I used to do land acquisition off the side of my desk and um, while well, also trying to, um, to lead the organization. So um, now I'm able to, um, you know, rely on dedicated staff doing nothing but securement. And uh, I think that's helped us to, you know, to grow the organization, to be more successful, conserve land faster. And, and that's our, that's our strategic priority is to, accelerate land acquisition, you know, to get this land protected while we can, um, because we're, um, we're up against the clock for, um, biodiversity conservation in BC. And, uh, you know, now's the time, um, to, uh, protect the important habitat, um, to build these resilient landscapes of, uh, conservation lands, um, that connect to each other that, uh, you know, make sure that there's room to roam for bighorn sheep and, um, places for, um, places for all our, um, wildlife species to, uh, you know, to survive and thrive for the, for the next 50 years and, and forever. Yeah. Interesting. The, the connectivity piece is so important for obviously so many different species, but wild sheep in general. Um, and you know, obviously we're seeing that in the Kootenays, the issue around fragmentation. And so that connectivity piece is such a huge, important, uh, piece of, of uh, the, the conservation aspect, especially with with our wild sheep and other ungulates and, and other species as well. Um, and it's interesting, you talked about 2021, about accelerating your land acquisition. Uh, the one thing that stood out for me when, it, through, I think it was through the gala, I noticed that 12 properties in 2021, $19 million. I wonder if your forefathers, if Bert uh, Hoffmeister would have visioned spending $19 million and, and acquiring that kind of uh, land in, uh, you know, in this day and age. It's uh, pretty pretty phenomenal. Quite a year for you guys. 
Yeah, it's been our biggest year ever for land acquisition. We're not done yet. Um, you know, I'm just signed a couple of deals in the, the last couple of weeks. Um, so we're still pushing ahead. Um, there's a lot of opportunities um, that are that are coming towards us. Um, the The next one we're going to launch is uh, in the Kootenai, actually. You mentioned the Kootenai a couple of times. So our flagship property there is called the Hoodoos. And um, that's actually the largest fee simple property that the Nature Trust of BC owns anywhere in the in our province. And uh, <clears throat> opportunities to expand that do not come along often. So we're just really excited that uh, one of our neighbors has agreed to sell us their their property. And so it's a it's a nice chunk of wetlands and a bit of um, grasslands on the uh, on the higher ground and. It's a great complement to the um, to our Hoodoo's property and also to all the Columbia River wetlands properties that um, that the Nature Trust has has acquired over um, over the last forty plus years. So um, excited to be back doing land acquisition in the in the East Kootenay. Uh, fantastic, uh, Jasper. Do you mind just touching a little bit on? So we recently collaborated with you guys. We uh, made a twenty thousand uh, dollar our membership, and the society made a uh, twenty thousand dollar contribution to the uh, acquisition of um, land on the north banks of Kamloops Lake. Do you mind touching base on that, on what that is, and what we're protecting, and the work that's being done there in that project specifically? Absolutely. So um, you know, often the Nature Trust is building on complexes of Nature Trust lands um, and. Uh, so Skaha Lake is a great example of that. But in other places, um, we have the opportunity to protect land that uh, connects to other conservation lands that uh, that uh, agencies or other NGOs have protected. So um, Camloops Lake is a great example of that. There's a huge wildlife management area there on the um, on the uh, shore of Camloops Lake, and um, your uh, society members will certainly be familiar with the uh, Kamloops Lake herd of bighorn sheep that, that uh, uh, spend their lives there. And um, what might not be known is that there are some key um, private parcels in holdings in, in that landscape. It's a vast landscape of conservation land there, but it's not all conservation land. And so um, we were approached by a landowner um, who was interested in uh, in, in selling a property um, that had been <coughs> in their family for many years. And, um, and so they, uh, they, he passed, the father passed away and they were looking to, um, to sell it, but there was some interest in seeing the property conserved. And so um, we, uh, we worked with them and um, it's a relatively small property um, compared to, you know, say Princeton grasslands and some of the big acquisitions that we've done. But it's very strategic in terms of its connection to um, to the wildlife management area and other um, conserved lands in that in that area. And Kamloops uh, Lake is um, certainly in the core of those three priority back zones that we talked about earlier. So the uh, bunch grass, um, interior Douglas fir, and uh, ponderosa pine. So um, you know the the Kamloops area has lots of provincially significant um, habitats. And this was an opportunity to you know, protect some habitat in an existing conservation landscape um, and, you know, basically prevent it from, from being impacted by, um, you know, for example, construction of, uh, you know, uh, buildings for recreational use. So um, good opportunity to, um, um, to, to build uh, on existing conservation lands and um, protect habitat for sheep and uh, flammulated owls and, um, you know, many of the, the species that, uh, that call the um, Camelot's area home. Yeah, fantastic. So I know uh, a number of your acquisitions, you have to be, uh, I guess, uh, somewhat cautious about in the sense that uh, 
you know, other people are trying to acquire these lands and some of them, you know, have to be confidential and, and uh, the work that you're doing in the sense that, you know, there are competing interests, obviously industry, and then, you know, other people that maybe want to acquire these lands uh, is, and I know that, you know, we've been looking at another project working with you guys um, and I'm hoping that that's going to come together by the end of the year here and we can make an announcement on that. But are you able to talk about any of the, the work that's being done? Um, you know, you mentioned the hoodoos um, that that's in, in a work in progress that that's coming together is there anything else that you're able to share with us about what you guys got on the horizon um well the yeah the hoodoo's um acquisition is is i mean it's not even hot off the press because uh, i don't think we've, it's even hit our website yet but um, okay. <laughs> so that's uh that's breaking news cool. um that's congratulations uh, that's, yeah that's really exciting and um and our board is is meeting next week actually to consider a couple more acquisitions um, one of them in the South Okanagan. So, um, you know, the, um, keep an eye on our website, naturetrust.bc.ca to, um, to see some, um, you know, new acquisitions, which will be launched over the next, um, you know, over the next few weeks, um, and, uh, first part of, uh, 2022. Um, um, what else can I tell you about? Um, well, you know, we've been, I know you live on Vancouver Island and, um, so we recently completed one of our biggest land acquisitions ever on Vancouver Island in terms of the, um, in terms of the, um, the cost of land um, bought a really key parcel in the English River estuary. And so, um, you know, the English River was a iconic steelhead uh, fly fishing river um, for generations, but unfortunately, um, you know, it, uh, that steelhead run, um, declined precipitously and, um, you know, it's been, a it's been a struggle just to, to, to sustain it. Um, but, um, you know, over the last, uh, 40 odd years, the nature trust has been gradually acquiring lands in that watershed, um, building, um, connectivity up and down the river, um, and, uh, and both, um, on the river and now down into the estuary. And so, um, we've done a lot of the easy projects and, and now it's, um, now it's some of the tough stuff. Um, so, um, we were pretty excited to be able to, um, to, uh, acquire some land in the, in the estuary, which will allow us to uh, continue our work to, um, to restore habitat, um, and, uh, restore estuary function. Cause that's important for steelhead, for salmon, um, for the, the, uh, black brant, which migrate through, through Parksville every spring, on their way from Mexico to Alaska, um, you know, just tons of different species. So, um, you know, we, uh, we have a amazing, um, legacy of, of properties on, on Vancouver Island and, and, uh, you know, we continue to, to build on that too, though. Um, of course is, uh, there's no sheep there, but, but, uh, you know, some of your members might, uh, might be interested in the, the Roosevelt elk that, that thrive and places like the Salmon River watershed where the Nature Trust has, uh, has two complexes and continues to, um, you know, to protect and restore land uh, whenever, you know, opportunities emerge. Uh, very cool. So now I guess one of the things uh, for you is what do you see as some of the big challenges for you? I know you mentioned that a lot of the low-hanging fruit, the easy stuff, um, has kind of been acquired now it's a bit more complex there's a lot more to it um, what do you see the big challenges as uh, as a trust and acquiring these lands moving forward for your organization well um, you know the real estate market has been scorching hot um, for the last couple of years in BC and so um, one of the things is just being able to raise money fast enough to um, to be able to, to keep up and um, you know, some of our, our partners, um, you know, have had longstanding funding programs um, that have been key to helping us acquire properties. But um, if their revenue sources don't grow with the times, then, um, you know, then we need more and more partners to acquire the same amount of land. Um, and so I think that's one of the, the key challenges. And um, so, you know, we're always looking for ways to um, you know, to, to raise money faster to, um, so that we can, um, get ahead of the habitat loss that's, that's taking place across our province and, um, you know, get these properties, um, when the opportunities emerge, sometimes the opportunities to acquire a particular property, 
um, you know, might only come along every 20 years or, or more. And so um, we have to be ready and um, we have to have the partners and the funders um, to, um, you know, to be able to respond um, in a, in a timely, a timely way um, and uh, get, get deals done. So um, I'd say that's our, that's our, our biggest challenge um, because uh, you know, land, they're not making any more of it. Um, and uh, you know, the, the need to conserve land um, for BC's biodiversity has never been greater um, and the cost of doing so has never been greater. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a big challenge. Um, we're, we're, we're here and we're, uh, we're going to do everything we can to, uh, to, to meet that challenge and, uh, certainly invite any of your listeners to, to get on board, um, both through, um, organizations that, that support us, uh, like the Wild Sheep Society VC and also as individuals, because everybody can make a difference. Everybody can, um, can contribute to a, you know, to a particular land acquisition, or if they care about a particular property, they can mm-hmm. donate to um, support the the management of that land. Um, if they, uh, you know, if they want to donate to a particular land acquisition that um, that really speaks to them, that's that's awesome. You know, we're um, um, and uh, yeah, we just you know we just want to be um, you know just want to be accessible to anyone that that shares our our passion for conserving land in BC and, and, um, wants to be, wants to be part of the, the success that, that, uh, that we are pushing forward for. Right on. Um, one thing, uh, with, with the, uh, nature trust acquired lands, how does that work in terms of, uh, access and, and that sort of stuff in terms of people wanting to recreate and public access, that sort of stuff. How, how does that work? Are there restrictions on that or, or what does that look like Jasper? So, um, as I mentioned, we have over 500 properties across BC and there's a huge range, um, of, of properties, um, and, you know, everything from properties right in the middle of, of cities. Um, you know, one of the first properties uh, that the nature just acquired was, uh, was not far from Victoria and Saanich, uh, Swan Lake Christmas Hill nature sanctuary. And so that's a property that's now surrounded by development. And <clears throat> there's a nice little nature center to help connect uh, people that live in greater Victoria to nature. So, you know, that's, um, you know, obviously the type of public access that, that can take place there is, is very different compared to uh, something like the hoodoos in the, you know, in the Columbia River Valley in the East Kootenai. So um, I guess the, the short answer is, uh, you know, public access is, is determined on a case by case basis um, for each property. Um, depending on you know what what is uh, appropriate on that property, what can be sustained with uh, without um, impacting the you know the habitat values for which the property was conserved, um, and uh, you know and that and that's really our our key you know our our key criteria there. Um, more broadly speaking, um, you know. Typically, access is foot access, so non-mechanized access on our on our properties, because um, the access that um, by you know uh, vehicles, um, mountain bikes, uh, dirt bikes, ATVs, um, well, if they go off road, then you know it's just it's very significant damage that can happen to the habitat. So, um, so uh, yeah, we have a a GIS tool on our website. Um, which has all of our properties on it. And so people can explore that at naturetrust.bc.ca. Look on our conservation properties link there. You can see what properties are in the, um, the landscapes where they live or where they, um, where they recreate. And uh, they can learn more about our properties. And uh, you know, if they have questions about public access, the, the best way is actually just to reach out to our conservation land manager that, that takes care of that property and they can you know, ask them questions about, um, you know, what type of access is allowed there um, and, you know, um, go from there. Our line managers love hearing from um, from people about, uh, you know, visiting our properties. Yeah, fantastic. Well, it's great to see that you guys uh, are acquiring these properties and doing the right thing for the biodiversity. It's not a, necessarily, you're not catering to special interest groups or, you know, the first thing foremost is, is the preservation of, um, 
of the property itself and the species that roam and and the uh, ecology of aspect of it. So that's fantastic. And then I also want to thank you for your Swan Lake purchase because I use that all the time. Um, oh, really? it's, it's such a be- well. I it's I think the um, there's a, a trail that goes through there, a biking trail that we go that you have access to. It's actually a walkway that goes through the Swan Lake uh, area, and it's just beautiful. I love it. So it's um, spend a lot of a lot of time in the when the weather's decent going through there. So it's fantastic. Um, yeah, Steve, uh, anything else that you have for Jasper to, to wrap things up before we, no, I'm just going to, just going to add that there's no better way to leave a conservation legacy than doing what you guys are doing. And it's, uh, something we're wholeheartedly behind and yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I, I love what you do. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. And thanks Kyle. It's been a lot of fun, uh, talking about land conservation and, and, uh, yeah, look forward to um, to continuing our partnership and uh, you know bringing other um, wild sheep organizations into the fold um, that that have an interest in uh, in protecting land for sheep across BC because um, you know Nature Trust has some um, opportunities in um, you know both the Okanagan and the and the Kootenays to protect um, private land for for sheep and um, you know we just uh, see that there's going to be um, opportunities emerging. Um, you know, into the future and, and, uh, you know, we always love to bring new partners into the fold to, uh, you know, to help us achieve those, achieve those goals. We really need more, um, more paddles in the water to, uh, you know, to get where we're, get where we're going. Um, because, uh, you know, the, the sheep need that habitat, um, BC's biodiversity needs, needs habitat. Uh, we need to, uh, find a way to, um, you know, to, to reach out to, to new people all the time to, um, to help get the work done absolutely uh jasper and you know from our our members and supporters just a shout out to them uh we were uh involved with the skaha east side purchase um five years ago like you mentioned and then most recently Kamloops lake here there's a twenty thousand dollar contribution we made to that land purchase uh and we're working on some other stuff together as well which we're hoping to uh will all come to fruition. We can talk more about that in the future. And, and, uh, and absolutely uh, our membership and our board recognizes the great work that the nature trust of BC does. Um, absolutely. No question. The work you guys are doing is uh, really good for uh, wild sheep and, and all species, obviously that are in the area. And we're just really excited to be part of that. It's right in line with our mandate. So to be part of that legacy is, is fantastic. So thank you uh, for your leadership with the Nature Trust of BC and, and the great work that you guys continue to do. I really appreciate it and, and really, really excited to be uh, involved in this most recent uh, Kamloops Lake purchase. Thank you. Awesome. It's a, a pleasure and a privilege. And so, uh, you know, kudos to the Wild Sheep Society of BC for all the money that you've been raising to, uh, you know, to help conserve BC sheep. And, um, you know, I wish you continued success and thanks for including land conservation in your, in your work plan for, for conservation. Cause it's, it's one of the tools in our conservation toolbox and, uh, and it's great um, to see organizations um, embracing, you know, land conservation as a, as a way to, um, to keep uh, BC's wildlife thriving into the future. Fantastic. Thanks Jasper and have a wonderful day. <laughs>